Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, and we are heating things up on today's episode. We are welcoming in two Believe hosts. We've got Joe DeLeon and Joey Christopoulos, who are going to be joining me to break down each of our five hottest takes at this point in the summer. We've got really nothing else going on in the NFL uh, calendar. It is really, truly the uh, the desert out here for NFL content. So we're kind of expanding the, the lens here. We're going to be encompassing the entirety of the NFL breaking down just hot takes, predictions, reacting to, to what each other have to say. It was a really fun, uh, long conversation, so we're going to get into it uh, quicker. I don't have a cold open for you guys today, um, so we're just going to get right on into the podcast. Like I mentioned last time around, we will be back um, a little bit more regularly now that training camp is kind of on the horizon, so maybe one or two more weeks of you know, different content. And then Ovi and I will be back pretty much weekly um, from here on into the season. The sprint is here. I am ready for it. I'm so excited to get into the season. But before we kind of get back to a lot of pure Falcons talk, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and, uh, you know, uh, some fun, interesting ideas, debates, takes, all that good stuff with uh, with Joe DeLeon and uh, Joey Christopoulos. So, Let's get into that right after this. If you're a fan of the NFL and podcasting, then I'm sure you have heard just about a billion gambling advertisements so far. But we just want to let you know that our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League action. Major League Baseball Go Braves, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. Somebody notify share because we've got a lot of reasons to believe in this room right now. First up, we've got Joe DeLeon joining me, the host of the Believe in FCS football podcast and the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Joe, how you doing today, man? Thanks for hopping on. I'm doing great. I, I always get excited when other Believe hosts ask me to come on because I, I feel like my topics are so in the weeds, but Hot takes. I am so excited to to throw some absolute heat in today's episode. Can't wait to chop it up with you guys. That's true. FCS football. I'm I'm expecting you to to really be bringing <laughs> some uh, some inside knowledge. And uh, also joining us is Joey Christopoulos, the host of Believe in Bears and Bet on Chicago. Joey, what's up, man? Will, great to see you, Joe. Good to see you. Uh, honored to be on this podcast to do a little mashup right now. And I know what you guys brought me here. We're here to talk about the AL Central, the next 14 games, 
Guardians playing the White Sox. And then wait, no, is that no, not AL Central Heat? Is that not the heat that we're throwing? Oh, we're talking football. This is amazing. I'm so excited. Glad to be here. If, if you want to throw in some some baseball hot takes, go for it. I mean, <laughs> be the hottest takes of all, right? Uh, no, we are we are definitely here to, you know, just kind of share some some thoughts on the upcoming NFL season. It's obviously the the dead period. I, I don't know if you guys have heard that, but it's the uh, the NFL dead period, and we got to fill it somehow with content. So while it's hot as hell outside, I figured we can make it hot in uh, in this podcast as well. So we're really just kind of kind of go round table, uh, share some, some takes that we've been noodling on that, you know, or, or maybe a, a prediction or two for how the 2022 NFL season will play out. But yeah, let's, let's just debate, discuss, dive on into it, explain ourselves, all of that good stuff. Um, sound good to you guys? Of course. Nothing better than, than arguing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> on a hot day. Nothing better than get hot and bothered on a very hot day. No, Will, I'll be honest with you, man. We were doing, I was started doing prep and started coming up with these ideas. And I had my first thought of when I started projecting to a beautiful Sunday morning and it is a full slate of <laughs> NFL games. I got that first feeling today, dude. So I thank you for that. And hopefully this pod is going to bring that to the good people too as well. Because, dude, we're only two weeks away from training camp. This is coming this is coming quick. This is coming very fast. Yeah, it is right around the corner. And, and you know, Joe, I don't know about you, but as I was kind of trying to figure out some of these hot takes, yeah, it definitely gets you in that mindset. And there were a lot that were kind of left on the the cutting room floor, so to speak. I, you know, maybe at the end, if we have any extras that that we want to share, we we can do that. But but how is this exercise for you and in, in kind of preparing for the 2022 season? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been getting that itch a little bit for this the season to start from watching some film and, and getting into to the uh, you know the weeds of of getting ready for this year. But it, it took me a little bit to kind of formulate the direction that I wanted to go in because I feel like it's so easy to just say like this team's going to be good, this team's going to be bad. So I tried to <laughs> yeah. mix things up a little bit. I've got a really hot take with a player that I think is an old take or not an old take. It's a new take that I had a while ago and now everybody's getting on the bandwagon. So I'm going to resurface one of those takes, but I hope we have a, you know, a diverse grouping of, of points here because I think uh, as we're getting so close, Joey, you mentioned two weeks away. We're so freaking close. I, it's just getting me juiced up. I, I, I miss the arguing of the in season arguing, and this is a great way to, uh, to get us ready to go. All right. Well, with that, Joe, do you want to you want to kick us off? You want to give us one of your five hot takes? So uh, this first one, starting us off a little bit spicy here, and I have to <laughs> set this one up before I get into it. I'm not saying that this team is going to make it to the Super Bowl and they're going to be exactly like the Cincinnati Bengals were last season. But I firmly believe that this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be this year's Bengals team. I'm already getting some wow. looks from you guys. <laughs> so hear me out. My logic on why I think that and, and my take for this is I think that they're going to be a wild card playoff team. I Again, I'm not saying that they're going to be a team that reaches the Super Bowl. I think that they still have a number of roster holes that they need to address. But you're implanting an experienced head coach that is going to be allowed the control to develop this team in the direction that it can succeed. The big thing for me is one that you have Trevor Lawrence, who is going to be playing with a coach that is very quarterback friendly, that is going to benefit him. He is getting back Travis Etienne, who I think is going to be not just a running back, but a Mm -hmm. multi-use offensive weapon. But on top of that, 
I was racking my brain and I wanted to come up with a team that fit this Bengals description on who was going to be the surprise team. Nobody predicted the Bengals were going to be good last year. And what set up the Bengals for success was the fact that they were playing in a division that was regressing, that was getting old, and they were in a timely situation. I look at that AFC South division. The Texans are nowhere near ready to succeed right now, which shouldn't be a hot take. The (laughs) Tennessee Titans, and I've got a take related to them later. I think that they're going to be a mess this upcoming season. I don't think they're going to be as as good as they've been. They're probably going to be below 500 because Ryan Tannehill is seriously taking a step backwards. And then the Colts are their only competition. And I think that the Colts are going to win that division with Matt Ryan now in place, who you're very familiar with, Will. But (laughs) I, I just think it's a perfect opportunity because they can potentially beat up on the Texans and the Titans and end up being a wild card team in the AFC. Dude, I, I don't hate it. I mean, I can pull that out of the oven without mitts and not, you know, burn my hands on that one. I can wrap my head around it, right? Like, so the first things I thought of, and you mentioned the thing about Joe Burrow, I think the best thing that happened to Joe Burrow last year was that he tore his ACL, right? Because we all sort of forgot about him. I mean, he had, he, what was it? I think it was a Thursday night football game. I think he got his first like 300-yard passing game. It was slowly kind of come, coming for him a little bit. Maybe you could say that was empty stats. But then that kind of went away and everyone says, oh, the Bengals suck. Well, Joe Burrow got hurt. Heading into this year, it wasn't like Trevor Lawrence got hurt. He had the Urban Meyer factor. And I'm kind of looking at this roster right now, and I know we all had jokes about Christian Kirk in the offseason about how much money he got paid. But once the game starts... That's going to mean something. That's going to mean something in that offense. I'm totally with you with Etienne, like from a fantasy football perspective. I think he's one of those guys now all of a sudden that can be that RB2 in your lineup, but maybe you buy him as an RB3 a little bit further down the draft. Big X factor again, though, Doug Peterson's offense. Can Evan Ingram stay healthy? Can that actually happen (laughs) for one season? Because I think the dude is really talented, but does it actually work out that way? Look, man, I'm buying this too as well. I had the Colts win in the division this year. We can go in deeper on why I don't like the Titans. Um, I I, Just based out of general stagnancy, I don't really like the Titans so much, but I think the Jaguars can definitely surprise. I think at the end of the year, you know, the other one that I had too was, you know, out of these second year quarterbacks, because we're looking at all these rookies right now, is this season going to be more about looking at those second-year guys more than it typically is looking at a rookie, the rookie class? And Trevor Lawrence, I think, at the end of the year, is still probably going to be the number one guy out of that class. So I don't think it's that crazy. I think that they could get a wild card, possibly. They could surprise some people. Going deep like the Bengals, I think that's where it gets a little hot. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't see there's something wrong with that. What do you think, Will? Yeah, no, I, I I think that that's totally not not out of the realm of of possibility because I did try to think as well like who could be this year's Bengals team, just a team that kind of comes out of nowhere. But there are reasons why they may be able to make a run, and I think Jacksonville is yeah. is a team that fits that that mold. I thought for a second maybe should I go with the New York Jets? That seems a little bit too hot takey, even for a show like this. But Jacksonville, a lot of the offseason additions that they made, I like. I Obviously, Foye Luikan, I have a lot of respect for. Um, he's a really smart dude. I think that they will benefit defensively from his presence, uh, along with just having better coaching in the building, uh, a second year for Trevor Lawrence. like I think that there are some real tangible moves they made this offseason to get better in ways that good NFL teams get better. So, yeah, dude, way, way to start us off with a, uh, with a lukewarm take there, Joe. Let's see, uh, Joey, can can you do anything uh, any better? What's your first one? 
I mean, like, well, let's be fair here. We can't go from 100 to 450 degrees in this oven here. So I, this might not be <laughs> like true. the hottest. This might not be the hottest thing in the world, but I do have a couple ones that we're going to get to. Uh, this one I kind of want to throw out there that's fun. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, guys. Like, I'm absolutely obsessed with this AFC West. I can't, <laughs> I can't get my mind off of how entertaining, how much fun this AFC West is going to be. The fact that given any given week in the NFL this season, these two, two of these teams in the division are probably going to be playing each other. So my hot take yeah. right now for the summer is, and I forget, I, I didn't get a chance to pull up when the last time it happened, but I think everyone in this AFC is going to finish over 500. I think it's going to be one of those divisions this year, and it's all going to be bunched up together. I pulled up, uh, I, w- I just went over to like Warren Sharp's website real quick, looked at his projected lines. Um, all three teams, Chargers, Broncos, and Chiefs right now are all projected to score over 10 wins this year. They've got the Raiders at 8.5, which means if they get to nine, that means you've got four plus 500 teams. And that's just in his projections right now. That's not even in a prediction category. So I kind of want to open it up with that right there. I'm having a wonderful time just trying to make sense of who's going to rise to the top on this one. You know, I think all four teams are really talented, but one of them has to finish in last place. So I, maybe I'll just like throw it. I'll throw it to Joe first on this one. Like of all those four teams right now, forget who's going to win the division. Who finishes in last place in the AFC West? That's what I want to know. To me, looking at the division, I think it's either going to be the Chargers or the Raiders. I, I can't not give the benefit of the doubt to the Denver Broncos. And I, just so that for the sake of us not go back, going back and revisiting any old takes, I, I'm going to throw out another one that I have here, not to, not to jump the gun a little bit. I actually think that the Broncos are going to be the best team in the AFC. So Ooh, they're wow. going to win this division. I don't think that should, wow. be, that should be a hot take. Russell Wilson on a good roster that has a very, very good defense. Really good, young, talented defense, minus Von Miller, and a really good secondary. A good offensive line with a good run game is very dangerous. And I see him matching up and kicking the crap out of the Raiders enough to the point where they're the nine and eight team at the end of the season. I, I know it was so fun to watch the Raiders last year and them overcome the odds and the, the difficult circumstances, but they're probably going to be that one team that's on the outside looking in. And I simply make that decision because of the fact that Derek Carr, albeit he is a good quarterback, is the fourth best quarterback in the division. And Justin Herbert is just going to continue to ascend. Better quarterback is just going to push them ahead by a little bit. You know, it's funny. I started making notes uh, to support the argument that Derek Carr is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm with you there. Didn't again, didn't solidify into a hot take for me. Um, that being said, though, I I think I agree that the Raiders are probably the fourth team, but I don't mean that as an indictment on the Raiders, who I like. I think are a a really solid roster, and they don't get a lot of credit for you know having decent ability on both sides of the ball like they can win some well-balanced games uh that being said they they just don't have the ceiling that any of the other three teams have and you could attribute that to quarterback you could attribute that to you know just who are the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball having a dominant uh defensive player that type of stuff but i'm i'm gonna just go ahead and and rip off my first one because you guys led me perfectly into it which is that the Los Angeles Chargers will be the AFC's number one seed. Oh, see, look, we're looking at this AFC West, right? I mean, we really this are. Thing is yeah. so, and the, you know what? They're going to bang heads with each other all season long. And, and I'm with you guys that I think 
and maybe this is what we're coming to is that whoever survives that division may be the most battle tested mm-hmm. and ready to go in the playoffs. Now, I'm going to be the contrarian here. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs for one more year. The only reason why I'm going to do that is, look, everyone's going to say they lost Tyreek Hill and K- Travis Kelsey is a year older. This is probably Travis Kelsey's <laughs> last probably prime year, in my opinion. And the Tyreek Hill thing, what, what I like about the Tyreek Hill not being on the Chiefs is that instead of now game planning only towards Tyreek Hill, and you've seen a lot of that, Joe, I'm sure you know, like we get a lot into with Patrick Mahomes now, two safety, single high stuff. And they do more two safety stuff, which kind of takes the downfield away from him. Well, now what if they had this world where I'm not a big Marquez Valdez Scantling guy? I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm from Chicago and I have a brain. But uh, I do like Juju Smith-Schuster underneath. I love Sky Moore. And then I, you know, I'm not fully on board with Clyde Edwards Lair, but I do like the Ronald Jones Jr. I do like the Ronald Jones Jr. pickup. I do like that. <laughs> I still think that they're going to be a balanced team, maybe more balanced than they have in the past. And yeah, that that's the question, right? Is like, I love your call, Joe, with the Broncos, because I think Jerry Judy and I think all of a sudden now Cortland yeah. Sutton now takes a step up, right? And we talk a lot about his DK Metcalf elite with or without, you know, Russell Wilson. I think Cortland Sutton now all of a sudden is that big body in the red zone that like, takes it to that next level. I'm just really curious, you know, Will, what do you think about with the Chargers? They did a lot on defense, right? I mean, do you see basically just like ho-hum offense business as usual? Do you see Herbert taking it to another level right now? Because again, I worry just a little bit about injuries with the Chargers. I still do. Eckler has gotten hurt at times. Mike Williams has gotten hurt at times. You know, what, what are you thinking for that offense? A lot of it, come, for me, comes down to at some point, right, doesn't it all just have to come together? Like, do, doesn't, don't they have to have at least one season where things kind of click and don't just all fall apart for them at every step of the ask, way? Uh, ask I the mean, Buffalo Bills. Ask the Buffalo Bills about that, right? That's true. But, but again, they're, they're, the other, they're another top contender, right? So it's a little bit of there's not the juggernaut like the Pats. A lot of these teams at the top of the AFC do have question marks. And if we're looking at who are the, who are the potential um, teams maybe below that top tier who could vault themselves into that tier, to me, it's the Chargers. You have an elite quarterback in Justin Herbert. You have great offensive skill players, you know, with guys like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I love Austin Eckler. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I think they've made some really good strides on their offensive line and have, you know, kind of, if not solidified it, at least, you know, gotten much better up front in protecting Justin Herbert and then allowing them to do some creative offensive stuff. And then defensively, like those are the moves that they made this offseason. Obviously, Khalil Mack is the big one, but if he's healthy, I mean, he and Joey Bosa coming off of the edge together, like forget it. And then this secondary, I really, really love, um, you know, getting JC Jackson from New England, eight interceptions last year, like that's huge. And then Asante Samuel, Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, like that's a really good secondary for me. They need to get better linebacker play, but I just kind of think it could all click into place for them. Um, and, and I'm really excited to watch this team, uh, especially as Justin Herbert continues just to get more reps under his belt. Like, let's see how good he can actually be. So it sounds like, you know, the AFC West, being a really fun division, that is definitely not a hot take for many of us. Like, you know, it, it's pretty chalky that that's going to be the one to watch. But it, you know, it kind of does sound like we think anybody could come. Joe, I'm still trying to get my head around the Denver Broncos one, man, because I, I feel Look, can I, throw I this get out where you're there? coming from. Is, is Javante yeah. Williams possibly the best running back in the division? Is that a hot, is that a hot take? 
I, I would say that that's a hot take, but I, I love Javante Williams when he was coming out and I think he fits that roster perfectly. You've got mm-hmm. some, you got a very underrated offensive line. I think that offensive line has not received enough credit for how, how good it is. It's not the best in the division because the chiefs offensive line has been bolstered with a lot of young players the Chargers, the same deal, but the Broncos are a, a very run-centric offense, offensive line that can pound the rock. And I love Javante Williams. The reason why I, I like this circumstantially, you look at Russell Wilson's previous success when he was much younger and less experienced was mm-hmm. when he had a, a good quality offensive line that could pound the rock with multiple running backs. And they got Melvin Gordon. They got Javante Williams is going to step up into an even bigger role. All those things, I think, set up Russell Wilson. I understand the the desire for wanting the Chargers to win and, and thinking that they can win the division. I think it totally makes sense. And it, I, I keep seeing that, that take out there because they have such a well-rounded roster. But for me, I, I can't fully buy into it because in order for that to happen, Justin Herbert has to outplay Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes in those head-to-head matchups. If he can steal... Uh, like two or three of those games, then yes, that's what it's going to take for them to win the division. He needs to win three of those four games in those matchups. But I just don't know if I can fully buy into Herbert and that team being able to complete those games and win those games. I just, I have to buy into Russell Wilson who has been doing it for so, so well for so long and Patrick Mahomes who has been dominating that division lately. For sure. That, that's all valid. And why would I go against Kansas City? You know, I think, Joey, that's that's kind of the stance you're taking. And then, sure, like, it, am I going to necessarily feel great about Justin Herbert in a big game crunch time against somebody like Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, who frankly have just had more success in those moments? Maybe mm-hmm. not, but that's what's going to make this season so much fun, especially the AFC West. So, uh, Joey, let's go to you first. What is your second hot take and or prediction for this season? Ooh, okay. Second hot take. Which one do I want to do? Ooh, um, I want to do. The, I want to do the one that's going to piss you off, Will. Uh, the Falcons will have the number one pick next year. Oh man, that's rude. <laughs> I, I agree with that one. <laughs> oh, that's. No, rude. I know we talked about the Texans. I know we talked about the Texans. But but here's here's my thing. Um, one, why wouldn't why wouldn't they want it? Why wouldn't they want it? I mean, I'm just kind of like looking at the roster right now. And I think the quickest way to get through all this isn't via trade. It's probably trying to get hopefully one of these top quarterbacks in the draft next year. And how do you do that? You run Marcus Mariota for 17 straight games and you give the ball to Cordero Patterson and you try and, you know, bring you try and get Drake London and Kyle Pitts, you know, under you know into the bag. Right. And try and figure everything out. I just want to get your take on like kind of like where they are. Where do you think they're going? Of course, you know, as a Falcons analyst and someone, you're going to think that they're going to be competitive in a lot of games. But I'm making the case, hot take land, that the Falcons should be trying to play for the number one pick next year. Because if you get an actual quarterback in there, all of a sudden, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, you know, start the clock over with rookie running back. (laughs) You're cooking. You're cooking all over again. I mean, that's where I'm at with that. Well, you know, first off, I need to uh, check out Simply Safe or Ring or something because you just came into my house and stabbed me in the heart. <laughs> How dare um, I? How dare so, I? I brought <laughs> knives. Off, thank you I, brought, I brought knives to a hangout. How dare I? Yeah, and I definitely do not have to be optimistic about this team as a uh, as a Falcons analyst. In fact, uh, you know, I'm largely not. But 
I, it is something, because it's a great question, right? It's something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last three, four seasons, you know, really since 2017, when they were last sniffing the playoffs, it's kind of, do you have an obligation to be as bad as possible if you are essentially out of any Super Bowl conversation because the system setup rewards the last place team, right? So in order to be better long-term, you should be bad in the short term to gain as many assets that should help you long-term. That makes sense from kind of a theoretical standpoint, right? But the Falcons have been very big in, I think 2023 has been kind of all but announced as like the year that this really starts because they're going to have a ton of free agency uh, or salary cap for free agency. They can really overhaul the roster. This year, I really get the sense is about answers. They have a lot of question marks. Who is going to be part of this 2023 and beyond run? So that's kind of their test variable this year. It, for lack of a, a better way to to put it, because they're going to want to see the players who can step up, who can actually fill roles, who can be a solution instead of a potential problem. So in order to really get the test variable, you need the control variable. And to me, that's the coaching staff. That's the mindset. That's the mentality. It's going to say, we're going to coach you like this in 2023, in 2024, when we have legitimate expectations so that we know when we start coaching you like that, how you're going to respond. And that to me is a little bit of why they can't afford just to, if they were going to do that, it would have been last year to me. Mm. Now you can say that that that's because there maybe wasn't a Bryce Young type of prospect, but this just is not the regime that is going to say, Hey, we're, we're kind of not going to say the, the, the quiet part out loud here, but yeah, we're, we're not going to do too well this season. They may do that of their own, like try as hard as they can. And they may still end up with that one seed, but I don't think you're going to see a team that is intentionally trying to maybe sabotage to get the one seed, but your point's still valid. They may end up there anyway. So I think I'm the most pessimistic uh, of the group after you guys just kind of tore them apart. Uh, this <laughs> roster's terrible uh, from head to toe. I, I just did an episode on the draft prospect show projecting the top five picks and who they should take. And the, I, I had, we had Atlanta at, at the top based on just the likelihood of it happening. You look at that roster across the board offensive line is atrocious like I can't really even buy in to the future of any of those guys on that offensive line which is disheartening considering the fact that they drafted multiple guys in the first round and early to rebuild. Chris Lindstrom has been good I will say that he's he's one guy he's got yeah he's gotten the job done but like the rest of that group man is just it's really really frustrating to watch and I, I there is the positivity of of Kyle Pitts's outlook but outside of that, not a lot of offensive weapons. Drake London is going to be fun to watch this year, but who the hell is throwing in the ball? It's probably going to be Desmond Ritter halfway through the season. And then the last thing that you, you need and what's going to happen is Atlanta fans are going to talk themselves into keeping Desmond Ritter, even though I firmly believe that he is a long-term backup and not a solution as a starter. But additionally, defensively, like A.J. Terrell, Grady Jarrett, I don't have anyone on that defensive side of the ball that I'm excited about. And it's a very aging group the one thing that keeps him in games is that i'm high on arthur smith as a head coach and i think that eventually he is going to be the guy to turn that team around and i hope that they don't make a hasty decision in getting rid of him if they end up with the first overall pick but i i just think that that is one of the most bare bones rosters second to or, or not second to the seahawks are second to them in terms of having a horrendous roster it's going to be the battle between those two teams in my opinion for one or two and my final one, Will, for you, I just want to throw this out there because you're because I'm in the same boat. The Bears are in the same boat. They're projecting out, you know what I mean, the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, 
what is your threshold for you? Look, unfortunately, maybe Joe can help me out with this. I don't know how many surefire we think top 10 quarterbacks are going to be in next year's draft. I'm assuming one of these guys, whether it's a CJ Stroud or whatever, someone's going to be up there in that top three. I'm just assuming, right? What is your threshold for you? If the Falcons do, you know, put together, they, they win four or five games, right? It's all kind of bunched together. It's the Texans. It's the Seahawks. It's you guys. Maybe you guys are picked four or five. What is your threshold on going after a guy like Kyler Murray in the offseason? Do you would you like a Kyler Murray? Would you trade a top 10 pick for him? Would you trade a top five pick for him? Because that accelerates, obviously, the process. You give him free money. All of a sudden, now he's happy. I'm not saying that, you know, Kyler Murray obviously had his offseason of discontent, right? So they're going to come into this year. I'm kind of expecting the same things from the Cardinals that I did last year. A great five, six week stretch. <laughs> they end up on PTI a couple of weeks. Are the Cardinals good? And then they just can't put together a full 17 game season. I could see maybe would the Falcons be interested in something like that? Do you think the Falcons would be interested in something like that? Just to add a little context, there's two surefire guys that are going to be worthy of top three picks. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. You get a little bit messy with the Will Will Evis discussion because he is really freaking raw. And then mm -hmm. after that, there's a lot of guys that can maybe jump into the top 15. But outside of that, it's it's pretty thin. So if you get to five or six now, what do you do there? Right? Yeah. If it's Kyler Murray specifically, I wonder, is he the right guy for this staff? Um, you know, I, I, they, they do, for whatever reason, Arthur Smith, he, like, he likes physicality. He likes big receivers. He likes, you know, physical offensive line play. You know, he, he was a former offensive lineman. So Kyler Murray being the stature that he is, the play style that he is, Opposite, I do think the athleticism, yeah. though mobility is certainly a factor Arthur Smith likes in his, his offense. But if it's Kyler Murray specifically, that one I might hesitate a little bit more on than, than maybe some other guys. But I, I think that the Falcons could certainly be in play for a, a quarterback in free agency this offseason, which to, to kind of a broader point, yes, that could be on the cards, especially given the amount of money they will have to spend in free agency. They, they could really make a play. Um, in, in terms of, you know, Joe, to your point, a little bit of like the bridge quarterback situation, that is a spot that I do not want the Falcons to be in. I don't want them to be in a Daniel Jones or Jalen Hurts kind of type of, do we have one? Do we not have one? Uh, will this guy pan out? that type of situation. So, you know, I like, I, I think that the Falcons will want to see what they have in Desmond Ritter, but I don't think that precludes them in any way, shape or form from getting a quarterback. You know, if, if they've got a shot at a top one or at a big name in free agency this off season. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of negative Atlanta talk. <laughs> number one pick number one pick oh my gosh no <laughs> speaking on this this draft order discussion uh i've got a a take that is the opposite direction of of what joey uh you know brought up here i believe that the new york jets instead of them picking in the top five like they're currently projected to I think that they're going to be picking outside of the top 10 i i recently was looking at their their roster and their depth chart and I, and I know Joey doesn't like this take, but you know, and this has, I have to clarify, this has nothing to do with Kyler Murray and, and the, or not Kyler Murray, Zach Wilson and his, his off the field uh, antics <laughs> that he is engaging in with various people's mothers. This has everything to do with Robert Sala leading a very young and talented defensive roster that that front seven that they have little thin at linebacker, CJ Mosley's still pretty good, but I look at John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, Quinnen Williams, that front seven 
is really underrated. You also have Carl Lawson coming back from an injury. They are going to be causing a lot of yep. problems in the AFC East. I don't think that they're going to come anywhere near being capable of making the playoffs, but I do believe that they will be one of those teams hovering around that 500 mark. And I know we try to do this every single offseason with the Jets. We, we talk ourselves into it, but I think this might actually be the year when things come to fruition where you've got an offense that is improving, a good offensive line, a good run game, and a very young and explosive defense. I like it. I like that take a lot. Um, you know, I, I it, yeah, kind of hot takey because I, I just, they're still the Jets. <laughs> right. And at the end of the day, they're still the Jets and you got to kind of see it to, to believe it. But, you know, I, I do like a lot of the individual guys they have. And I was looking at that defense as well. I told you, you know, I, I was debating whether or not I, I wanted to do a Jets or, or this year's Bengals type of take. So I like what they've got on defense, especially. And then offensively, all it all it takes is Zach Wilson to get a little bit better. And I think that they will be at least competent on that side of the ball. What, what do you think, Joey? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm here to provoke, I'm here to be adversarial. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't, I'm not on board with this. Um, and for some, a couple of simple reasons and one I, I'm with you, Joe, I like Salah a lot and I do like the pieces that they're building on defense right now. For me, it just generally always will come back to the quarterback in question at that particular time. You know, I, when we finish up the NFL draft the next day, everyone's talking about how the jets aced the draft. And here they come. And all I hear about in the NFC North is how the Lions are coming, right? And look, I'll be honest with you. I do like <laughs> I do like a lot of the pieces on this Lions team. I think their offensive line, strangely, yeah. could perhaps be, I mean, Joe, you could speak on a maybe top five, top 10 unit uh, offensive line-wise in the NFL. I mean, they got some real yeah. maulers up there. But again, it always comes back to the quarterback for me. And right now, I just don't know. I don't know if I really believe in the Zach Wilson the hype versus the reality at this time. I know he was hurt a little bit last year and he didn't play very well, but I really want to see how that looks. Now, in terms of the running game, Michael Carter and Brees Hall, like, let's go, dude. I mean, like, they they ran a stat that I think every single year, we, from a fantasy football perspective, every single year, we never draft a rookie quarterback, but every single year, a rookie quarterback ends up in the top 10. It's going to be one guy this year. I think it could possibly be Brees Hall. I know that they have Garrett Wilson. I, I know a lot of things are pointing in the right direction. But again, with guys like Jared Goff, guys like Zach Wilson, this is just a prove it. You know, I mean, I'm willing to come to the party late on this one. You know, I mean, show me until uh, proven otherwise. And then on top of that, too, my only thing with the Jets, and I'm, I think you already kind of mentioned this, Joe, so it's not really flying in the face of your take, but they're going to play the Bills twice. They're going to play the Patriots twice. That's an 0 for 4, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, heading into next I, I mean, year. I understand. Which I which one? It, but I, I mean, which one? The Jets at home versus Patriots? You I think know, they can steal one? a yeah. game, or I think they can steal a maybe game or two. One is kind of where I'm yeah. coming from. Yeah, well, and if they do that, then all of a sudden now maybe you are creeping up in that six, seven, eight win area. And honestly, I think seven wins for the but Jets yeah. is a huge win. <laughs> I think that's I think that's we're rolling, <laughs> baby. We're feeling really good going in the offseason. So I can buy that. It's just like again, we're also hearing this whole thing about well, you know, I think the the Vikings are could be the sleeper. In the NFC, watch out for the Vikings. We hear this. Uh, I'm not going to curse. We hear this stuff every single year about like these teams, like the Vikings, and what happens. Kirk Cousins leads them to seven or eight wins, and they play the same story over and over again. So it's not that I'm, you know, I, not that I disagree with your points because I think they're very valid defensively. I'm just in a prove it mode with the Jets, and I, I personally, I just don't see it at this time. Well, uh, you know, we we learned that when Joey looks at. The NFL team logos on the side of the helmet, he just sees the picture of the quarterback 
on on the side of the helmet there. That's that's all it is to him. It's, you know what? In the chi- Chiefs got a Chicago, good quarterback. They're going to win the AFC West. In, Chica- in Chicago, <laughs> it's a very important thing. We we really value quarterbacks in Chicago's in Chicago Bear football. Now, yeah, it it really to me does depend on on how it goes with Zach Wilson. But I think their defense will keep them in a lot of games. It's just whether or not is are those a lot of big moments for Zach Wilson to lose games. Or does does that provide him some opportunity to maybe turn around his narrative and and get this team on the path to mediocrity? Yeah, it'll it'll be contingent on what Zach Wilson does. I I, I totally I am agree, in agreement on that sense. But the the thing that provides me the most optimism with this roster is how good they are defensively and how yeah. underrated and talented. There's a lot of first round picks that so are many now on the team. There's so many, so many. and they're finally going to be in a position to. To succeed, and I, I think that any other head coach, maybe this argument would be difficult to make. But Salah is so good and so smart defensively that I think that he's going to be creative with the guys that he has available to him to wreak some serious havoc and and shock a couple of teams. All right, mine. It's gonna. We're going into the NFC South, but it's player related. Former Falcon Russell Gage will make the Pro Bowl this season. Love that pick. I can't fight it. I love that. I love, I like Russell Gage. What? He got off to a slow start, right? But I'm with you, man. Yeah. I I mean, so Russell Gage is one of my favorite stories in the NFL because I remember when he was drafted in, uh, you know, 2019, we were trying to figure out what the hell for, you know, not not as like a slight to the player, but just like what position was he going to fill? Because he was kind of a pure special teams player at LSU who had dabbled a little bit at wide receiver, but was certainly just kind of a, like a gunner, a little bit of return experience, but it was just like, how do I list this guy on the uh, the news article? You know, what should I say? How should I explain this? And then to see him develop into kind of one of the game's more fun wide receivers to watch on on any given Sunday is really, I think, a testament to his skill set, to his ability, to his work ethic, which are all reasons why I think Tom Brady is going to love Russell Gage. And Tom Brady spreads the ball around. It doesn't really matter where you are on the call sheet uh, as a wide receiver, you could be the number one wide receiver. You could be the number four wide receiver on any given day. And if, if you're in sync with him, like you're getting the ball a lot. And I think Russell Gage is the right type of player can work underneath routes really well. can also take the top off and a national audience, I think is going to be introduced to him for the first time this year. He'll be really fun. A lot of highlights. I could see the production definitely being there. And so I'm calling it the only thing working against him is the NFC's loaded a wide receiver and he doesn't have the name recognition. But I think I think Russell Gage will become a little bit of an NFL fan favorite this fall. I, I got to be completely honest. I had to look up what team Russell Gage was on because I knew that he left Atlanta. <laughs> but he is such an afterthought in the receiver discussion. See nowhere to go but, but up. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think you can make the, the, the argument for it. Well, I got to push back on this one, though. That one might be a little too hot for me to buy into just because, as you mentioned, Tom loves to spread the ball around. He obviously has his favorites with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. You hit the nail on the head on why I don't think this is going to happen. There's too much star power in the NFC at receiver. Like he, it is an uphill battle for him to make it. Maybe he gets in as a, an alternate and he slots in for Cooper cup when the Rams are playing in the super bowl. But you got to take into account that it is probably going to be Cooper cup and Robert Woods on that team. You got Justin Jefferson. Uh, yeah, You've got so Mike Evans on his own team and Chris Godwin on his own team. 
there are so many guys. And if Michael Thomas plays it's this a year, lot. there's a lot of guys that are at that position. It just makes it a little too hard. Maybe as a, a kick returner. Maybe as a kick returner. This is fun though because I was also uh, I was also playing the game a little bit where I thought uh, kind of a fun take was I think Michael Gallup might be the best wide receiver on the Dallas Cowboys this year and look I love CD Lamb I draft him in all my <laughs> fantasy leagues dude I swear to God every single year the last two years I just rack him up give me all the CD Lamb but I just think the way that Michael Gallup came back in the second half of last year I think the fact that they were totally cool moving on with Amari Cooper and CD Lamb. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's a chemistry issue. I don't know if it's just a play-by-play, drive-by-drive issue with CeeDee Lamb. I just think it's Michael Gallup that is going to be the dude that's picking up those third and sevens and third and eights. Like, I think because we're kind of on this topic now a little bit of like weird secondary receivers, like the Gabriel Davises of the world, you know what I mean? That might be like kind of popping this year. <laughs> and my my only thing I'll throw Marvin out there. Marvin Hall, big year. Yeah, baby. Uh, oh, God. It's a Hall <laughs> kind of year, man. Uh, the thing that I'll throw out there with... Uh, I, I, maybe I'm not familiar. Is Godwin going to be ready week one? Are we? Are we? Do we? Do we know that? Are we positive on that? Which also might help out Russell Gage's case a little it's bit. It's less about him overtaking some of the receiving share from those top two guys, and more just I think he's going to be able to carve out a sizable enough role for himself uh, in in Tampa with Tom Brady. I mean, the most catches he's had in his career is 72, and you know, it's not like he was always running the prime routes to really get open. I think that he'll just have more opportunities in that, in the red zone. I could see a high touchdown number here. Like I, I just think a different offense, a more maybe in sync quarterback reputation. Although like with Matt Ryan, like he did great stuff as well. So I, you know, I just think he'll have a, a little bit of a chance to really shine here. So. And I, I honestly, I'm just thinking about, uh, I'm just thinking about Scotty Miller right now, probably at Fuddruckers <laughs> house in a 20 ounce burger <laughs> thinking about where his role is going to go. Is, like once they sign Russell Gage, Scotty Miller's just like, what, what happens to me now? <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'll eat this food. Like, I, I don't <laughs> emotionally. I don't want to sidetrack us too much with this tangent, but I was in just going through all of the NFL landscape. Is there a better wide receiver quarterback pairing in, in just our imagination than Hunter Renfro and Tom Brady? Like, I, I just want to see Hunter Renfro come <laughs> come play in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady for one season because I think he would legitimately put up 2,000 yards. Oh, the I want to see Russell Wilson and Cole Beasley together. I want to see, like, political political <laughs> sides uh, combat each other. That's the complete opposite. Is, you know, to, that would be a total mess. But imagine Cooper Cup and Hunter Renfro oh my God. On, the, on the Bucks right now. That, that would be... It'd be two 2,000-yard receivers. It would be in, in an instant. That would be insane. All right, Joey, uh, we are on... Our third, third hot take. So what do you got? Uh, man, you know, you, you rightfully did. I'm, I'm ashamed. You're giving me, giving me guff about the, the quarterback stuff. But, dude, I'm going to stay with quarterback right now. <laughs> and, look, I've been thinking about this Jimmy G situation. And I think I've got a landing spot for him that is just, is just so hot. It's a, it's a fondue hot take. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo should be on the Dolphins. Oh this, no! This, uh, yes, this ew. is this is my opinion. Now here's why. I'm gonna lay it out, and then you guys you guys could do whatever do whatever you want. Well, oh, I don't One, disagree with it. This I'm just like thinking of the chaos that the, but could go. I don't I mean do to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. So because I'm just thinking so, that. The, the so chaos first of is. all, it, first of all, it'd have to be a three teamer, right? Because obviously San Francisco wants nothing to do with Tua coming back because they have Trey Lewis, Trey Lance. So they have to find a third party. It gets a little difficult, right? Because you're like, oh, maybe the Seahawks would take on Tua for a year. See if they can rehab him a little bit, but then you're trading within division. What does the compensatory draft pick look like? 
But and also, there's a team called the Cleveland Browns who, in my opinion, probably won't have a quarterback for the majority of the season. There's also that going on, too, as well. But here's my thing is, obviously, Mike McDaniel coming over from San Francisco. They have the same kind of skill set. We're like, we're always talking about to his arm strength. We're always talk- or the lack thereof, if you will. Is he good? Is he not? You got a new coach in place. You got a guy like Tyreek Hill now on the team. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. This guy wants to put his offensive mark on the map right away. I'm not saying Jimmy G solves that, but what I am saying is that all of a sudden, Jimmy G in the slot game, working those slant routes with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle intrigues me. Is his arm the same as Tua's or maybe a little bit better? Yeah, probably. If you kind of follow some of the stuff McDaniel talks about in the offseason, it isn't about having a big arm. It's about reading a defense and getting out the ball pretty quickly. So I think from a stopgap perspective, I'm not saying they're going to give him a ton of money, but what I'm saying is you bring in a guy like Jimmy G, I think it gives you a better shot at winning the division or at least being competitive, at least getting to a wild card. Let's be honest. They're going to move on from Tua. It is not going to work out. I'm sorry. I just don't see it with the Miami Dolphins. Maybe he goes to a different franchise and figures it out. But this gives McDaniel a chance to put some W's on the board right away, install his offense, move on from Jimmy G, find his guy without some sort of weird two a messy breakup. And I think pairing Jimmy G with a guy like Tyreek Hill and with a guy like Jalen Waddell, I think it works out, right? <laughs> I mean, Devo Samuel made him look pretty damn good last year when he's throwing the ball five yards at a time. And you're like, wow, Jimmy G threw for 267. When you're like, oh my God, 170 of that is yak. You know what I mean? After <laughs> that point. So I, I just think that there's a world there where he can go to a place like this. The only thing is that does he go to the Falcons, the Seahawks, the teams that clearly need quarterbacks? No, because you know what? I think those teams want top three picks next year. Jimmy G just hurts that cause. So unless it's going to be somewhere like Detroit or something, I think Miami's the most intriguing option to rehab Jimmy G's uh, career, put up some more wins for the Dolphins. And also, I don't know, just throw a huge wrench into those uh, those Dolphins Patriots games uh, when they play <laughs> each other in the air. And the, I, I I don't know. I've been trying to figure it out. I think that's his landing spot. That's my hot take landing spot for him. I, I could totally buy into that actually happening. And I, I was kind of chuckling when you bring that up because just Dolphins fans are some of the most ridiculous people on Twitter. I, I don't know. They're know coming how for you, Joey. It <laughs> yeah, managed to happen. I know a couple. But I, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know how it managed to happen though, but like I've got like way too many Dolphins followers. I have no idea how it, it came to to this the total that it's at. It's like a few hundred to the point where they will come at me when I say the littlest thing about the Dolphins. It's happened a couple of times, but I man, I could totally see it. The Tua supporters are nuts, and I just I don't like Tua. Uh I don't think that he for me is at a mental processing standpoint excites me, which is what you need him to do to make up for, to overcompensate for those issues with his arm strength. He's a decent athlete, but I feel like since that hip injury, he's not the guy that he was in college where he was a good runner. He did move well. Now it feels like an average guy that's just not as athletic. So I'm so afraid of what he can do. That makes perfect sense to me. Mike McDaniel getting repaired with a guy that he coached up and and worked with and had him produce way better numbers that he, that he really should have put up in his final days with the 49ers. So I could totally buy into this. They, they need to uh, reset. And if you're going to reset a quarterback, if you're the Dolphins after trading for Tyreek, you're not doing it with a young guy. You're not doing it in the draft. Instead, that reset has to be with a veteran, and Garoppolo fits that. I hate this. I hate this. It's so unimaginative. <laughs> Tell me. It's boring. It doesn't make the <laughs> league me, any more fun to watch. I'm like, yeah. you know... Uh, j- 
Do you think Dolphins fans would be stoked to get Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, do you think that that no. appreciably like changes their outlook for this season? Because I, I really, I don't think so. It gives them two wins, maybe two more wins. Yeah, maybe it doesn't. But they have some fun on Twitter with their quarterback being super hot. It's true. And um, and it, and I think it gets them through next year because I my only counter to that is why are they excited right now other than just trying to drink the Kool Aid of Tua and praying to God that it works out. I mean, I, I'm almost trying to create a softer landing spot for them. You know what I mean? They're so excited about Tyreek Hill. Have you looked at their running back room? Also, just I'm sorry not to be a weird tangent guy, but like have you looked at their running backs. It's like Miles Gaskin, Sony Michelle. I don't know the ghost of Michael <laughs> Turner. I mean, it's like it's really. It's really I just crazy. remember. I just remember the fantasy playoffs like two two years ago, maybe two or three years ago. At this point, where like every Dolphins running back got kind of hurt for a five week stretch there at the very end of the season when like the fantasy playoffs were going on. But if, if you picked up like their, their back did amazing each week, even yeah. though it was like a, it was like a 49er situation. It was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he, he just went off for 120 Blige, yards the, and a touchdown. The Kellen yeah. Balage Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So wait, wait, where, where do you want him to, where do you want him to go? Will? cause it looks like he's not, st- he can he stay on San Francisco. Yeah. Can he stay in San Francisco while Trey Lance starts week one? I don't see how that works. No, I, I think I think if I'm Cleveland, like that's who I'm I'm going after. You know, if mm. if that's because I, I think that that roster kind of better, you know, it's just Miami's roster seems like you can so clearly see what they're doing, which is they're trying to minimize Tua's weaknesses. And they are go, like he's going to run a lot of that RPO quick slant to Tyreek to um, Jalen Waddle, get them out in space, get the ball in their hands, just let them work. And to me, Jimmy can do more than that. So you're almost like hampering what he brings to you offensively. Like he's a decent intermediate thrower. And that to me just works better in an offense designed like Cleveland's. And, you know, I just don't think that the way that Miami set up works best with what Jimmy can do. And then likewise, you know, like I, I think that Tua makes set like they've clearly done a lot to put around Tua what needs to be around Tua in their eyes. And that's where I just, I don't see all of this happening. I don't see Miami as the right landing spot for Jimmy. And I don't think Miami necessarily, I think they're in on Tua as much as everybody else kind of thinks, hey, uh, like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing here? I think that they want to see what they have in Tua. I agree totally. I just think it would be, I would be intriguing. And um, at this point, it's almost just like, God, yeah. God, if you went to Cleveland, that means they would be on their fourth quarterback in like oh, 11 God. months. It'd be Baker, Baker, Brissett, Deshaun, and then Jimmy G. Uh, All that money tied up at quarterbacks, too. It's just I know. Uh, But that's why they just need safe. Just come in here, do your job. Don't make any trouble. Uh, All right, Joe, what uh, what do you got? So it it just so happens that you have a take on a 49ers quarterback. I have a take on a 49ers quarterback. (laughs) Mine is on Trey Lance. So this is a take that, yes, it's been popping up. And I don't think that this take is necessarily hot because it's been overdone, but I have to resurface, resurface this in any opportunity that I have, because I have to always talk about FCS players. Trey Lance is going to finish the season in the MVP discussion. He is (laughs) that good. I have been in on Trey Lance as a, high-impact NFL starting quarterback since I watched him as a true... No, sorry, a redshirt freshman for the North Dakota State Bison. The guy can run. The guy can move. But on top of that, he has a cannon of an arm. He's got a Patrick Mahomes-esque arm, and he can throw on the run. He makes all of these silly throws 
for a guy that was primarily used as a runner at North Dakota State. They didn't use him properly at North Dakota State. You're putting him in an offense in the best offense for him physically. He is going to be in an offense that Kyle Shanahan, it will be creative enough to create opportunities. And all you're hearing right now out of the 49ers camp from current active players on the roster is that he looks freaking fantastic. The same thing happened with Patrick Mahomes heading into year two after not getting to see any of him in his first season. There were murmurs. Oh my God, he looks so good. But we are going to get fully exposed to what Trey Lance can be after he sat out the year and have the time to develop. Wow. What a, what a take from the host of the believe in FCS football podcast. <laughs> uh, I could never have seen this coming. Um, you know, I, my whole feeling with Trey Lance is I'm a little bit concerned by the fact that his own team seems a little bit concerned. Um, you know, like it just, I saw everything, you know, I, I think that you did coming out of, of college, you know, he's, he's got everything you would want if you were designing a quarterback, but you know, those players don't always pan out kind of the ones that look like they should be built in the lab. Patrick Mahomes, the reason that he's and Josh Allen, frankly, like those guys look like they may not kind of be what you would want in an NFL quarterback. Patrick Mahomes more so coming out of the draft, just all the questions about him throwing the ball up for grabs so many times and, and just the number of kind of off script plays. And could that work in the NFL? Well, turns out it can, and turns out he's amazing. Josh Allen kind of like everything that you would want in a quarterback physically, the running ability, like all of that, but then the accuracy, huge issue. It, it took a little bit of time for him and, and certainly most players don't develop the way that he did. So I'm, just because we've seen it recently with some of these quarterbacks doesn't mean we're necessarily going to see it with, with Trey Lance. And I, I just, if there's somebody that could do it, it would be Kyle, but I'm a little concerned that they seem, they seemed at least hesitant last year. Justifiably hesitant because it was right. his first year and he was the furthest behind out of them. But my, my pushback to that point, and I, you actually, I think gave me more evidence for my point because <laughs> Mahomes and Josh Allen stepped into situations and I know Josh Allen took like three years before he got to this point, but we saw flashes in year two. Mm -hmm. He, they both were in situations where they were being developed and coached and schemed by elite offensive minds. Andy Reid knew what to do with Patrick Mahomes and to put him in positions to succeed. The same thing goes for Josh Allen with Brian Dayball took him an extra year. And I think that if, if Trey Lance ended up on a different roster, I wouldn't be this high on him. But the fact that he's with Kyle Shanahan makes me extremely optimistic because at the very least, like he doesn't, I don't think he needs to be super accurate. Like I don't think he needs to make these crazy cross field throws like Patrick Mahomes, but I, <laughs> I think it, uh, he's capable of doing it. Yeah. But I think Kyle Shanahan is smart enough to pad his stats and make him look better than he might be in his development. That's uh, all fair. Yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly intriguing. You know, my, my, my general take is I think it's going to come maybe a little bit slower for Trey Lance than perhaps maybe uh, the fact that, you know, he's going to be this breakout star. I don't know if I quite see that yet because then th this is the thing like, is we're, we could talk ourselves in circles of like he's playing in terms of the convention of the offense of Kyle Shanahan's offense. He's in a perfect situation. But right now, at this point in his career, he's at his best when he's off script. So how does that balance itself out? And how do opposing defenses go to attack that? Either scramble his, you know, scramble his, uh, his brain a little bit throughout the course of games. Now, who do, again, to counter my own point, Coach Shanahan 
can also be the one to do the descrambler in a third quarter when maybe there's four drives of three and outs and maybe he, you know, he's either inactive, uh, inaccurate or he's rolling out off screen and, you know, not able to make some plays. Um, I think it's also going to really kind of come down a little bit to the Debo Samuel factor was real last year. I mean, God, I mean, I love that guy, you know, a couple of years ago when he oft injured, can he stay healthy the whole time? Because when he's healthy, they're a dynamic. They're really tough to beat when he's not. Where does that exactly come from? You know, they kind of had that weird love-hate relationship with Brandon Ayuk last year. Obviously, it ended in love, but it didn't really start in that particular place. Does he take the next step? And can George Kittle stay healthy? I guess I want to throw it back to you, Joe, just really quick, because you like Trevor Lawrence. You like what the Jaguars might possibly be able to do. And listen, spare my feelings. But again, I'm I'm also really no, I because I know honestly, where you're going my, with this. I know where you're yeah, going with this. Spare my feelings, because man, second year quarterbacks. I don't think we're going to be talking about the rookies this year. We're going to be talking about the second year guys again. By the end of the year, how are how do you think you're going to rank them? Are you going to rank them the exact same way that they were drafted, or do you think this is going to be Trevor Trey, then whatever, then Mac, or wh- how are you going to power rank these guys right now? I, I think it's going to be Trevor Trey Mac. Zach and Justin and I, mm-hmm. I, I I really like Justin Fields but my problem with Justin Fields is his situation <laughs> my argument and my, my Trey Lance <laughs> argument all comes from his situation second mm-hmm. year and first year quarterbacks their success is highly dependent on where they're at and the Bears right now is just not a good situation for him to develop I, I think that Justin Fields in five to seven years is going to be a great NFL quarterback. They're going to fix that roster. They're going to, to resolve their offensive line issues and get them, get him some receivers. But all I see right now is a team that can't block that has hold holes defensively, not a lot of receivers. Whoa, uh, Byron Pringle. Stop it. Byron Pringle, <laughs> Byron Pringle, the other St. Brown, the better St. Brown. Stop yourself. It, it's a motley crew of, of random dudes that got cut or, or didn't stick around because their team didn't want to resign them. But, but I, I just, all I got to say is that he's going to be asked to do so much and I'm just praying he stays healthy. That's, that's all I want from Justin Fields is please don't get hurt. That's it. <laughs> I agree with the the second year quarterback assessment. It's definitely going to be much more of a like a year of the sophomore quarterback, honestly, because, you know, I, I think we've hmm. in a lot of ways, we're left wanting to see rookie years from guys like Trey Lance. And we want to see what Justin Fields can do in an actual good situation. And, you know, so I, I think that that is honestly the most accurate thing that we've said this entire podcast is that year two quarterbacks are going to be a major storyline for the NFL. Um, but let's flip. From quarterback to running back, a much less important position. But that brings me to my third hot take, which is Saquon Barkley is the most overrated player in the NFL. Mm. Not a hot take, but I, I agree. Not with that. a hot take anymore. No, it's not. Okay, damn. I thought I'd have you guess. Man, loved watching him run in Penn State, dude. I mean, the guy, I mean, mm-hmm. physical specimen, you know, he passes the eye test, right? And then just watching him at Penn State, I was absolutely obsessed with him coming into the draft. I know Bears fans wanted us to like trade up and get them and like, you know, you don't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. So what what is it? Is it system fit? Is it just like the injuries maybe taking that eighth, that point eight second step away from him? Or like, what is yeah, that for you? You know, I, I, well, I think the, the overrated factor has to do with fantasy football. You know, I, I think that because of fantasy fo- football and because of his rookie season, when he led all players with 
you know, over 2000 combined yards, like his rookie year was legitimately awesome, but especially from a fantasy perspective, because he's never, I think, had a tangible impact on the Giants kind of win loss record in a real meaningful way. Um, You know, maybe more the loss factor because of injuries, because he's not in the lineup. But I, I just think that everybody saw what he could be fantasy wise. And then he's always been in the conversation of that top three player taken in drafts. And so I think that people still consider him as like a top five running back when the numbers just simply have not like borne that out to be true the last two seasons. And a lot of that has to do with injuries, but okay. So it sounds like that, that was not as hot of a take as, as I thought it might've been. Can I add something to the group? Is it typical that like the giants usually have like the most overrated like collection of offensive weapons, like whether it's Kenny Galladay or like give Danny dimes another shot. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm sorry, Joe, but like, I just feel like every year we're talking about these giants dudes and they're never as good as we think they are. Yeah. The, cause they're a New York market. It's just the natural reoccurring thing to overhype them. But, but, as somebody who is similar to Joey, I was in love with what Saquon can do, but there is not only a regression, uh, there's a, his injuries have been the big, the big problem. There is also a, a, a difficulty to find rushing lanes because their offensive line has been so bad, but now it's probably the best that it's been in mm-hmm. since their Super Bowl run, honestly. But I, I look at Saquon and I see a guy that's regressed with his vision. Like that was something that was a huge positive is it was the athleticism coupled with vision. And he just does not make good decisions. There's guys that like I've talked to that are uh, actually were on the Giants and as some guys that were in that running back room with him. And to me, it just sounded like the dude was super distracted. Like, I don't think the guy cares mm-hmm. at all. Like, I, I hate to be that negative and, and pull the, you know, the curtain back that much. But like, I think he really does not give a crap like I think that he is just I'm in New York I'm making all this money I'm one of the highest paid running backs because I was drafted second overall I'm going he's out good in commercials week. yeah good in he's commercials, great in commercials. Right? he's a big name on a big big market team but like yeah. I, I don't think he cares and I think they need to trade him I don't I think by the deadline he needs to be traded that's such a bummer too because if you're a running back right like all you're doing is like being like all right look like I need to just like put my nose down for the next three years Exactly. And bust my ass and then hold out until I get my contract. And then Mm -hmm. once I get that guaranteed money, I can do as many Campbell chunky soup commercials as I want to. But you can can just eat yourself until you get a turn into a plump bowling ball and then you can't move very fast. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's they're very similar players to me. But obviously, you know, you you don't want to hold an injury against a player, but it's, it's just clear that he's not the same guy that he was coming out of college, which is a shame because he was one of the most fun players to watch uh, throughout his career at Penn state. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Saquon is nearly, you know, the player that we all maybe consider him to be, or at least the public does. So that is my third hot take. Joe, let's go to you for our fourth. We each have two left. Uh, so I actually indirectly, Gave up my fourth one already Perfect. because I, I threw in my <laughs> I think I kind of did too. I think I've gotten down to one. Yeah. All so right. Wait, Will, why don't you go with yours and then we'll, we'll round out with the, with the fifth one. All right. Well, what, what were y'all's? The, the fifth ones or the, no, the, just the your fourth, fourth one the ones that you guys have already spilled. I threw in the Broncos one when we were talking about the, okay. the AFC discussion and I forget which one Joey's was, which one was, Oh, yours? mine was uh water is wet. The sky is blue Vikings jets. Like, let's be, let's, <laughs> these teams are who they are until, until we, that's right. Until we're told. Gotcha. Otherwise. They will go the way of the quarterback. 
Um, sure. We, we'll go to my fourth. Um, all NFL games should be played in outdoor stadiums. They should get rid of indoor stadiums completely. Mm. Wow. Oh. There's a Falcons fan saying this. <laughs> Damn. Heck yeah. Bring on the, bring on the 103 degree, you know, <laughs> September weather. Let's do it. No, it's football. It's meant to be played outside. We need the, the weather is a good thing for the sport. There's nothing better than turning on the football or turning on the TV, seeing a football field covered in snow in mid-December, and it's going to be just a, a brutal Pats-Bills game. Like, I love that stuff, man. This sounds like a guy who may or may not have ever driven to a parking spot, kept his car on, turned the heat up to blast, put on another pair of pants, put on another pair of pants, put on another pair of socks, put on the jacket, and then try to fit the jersey. But you ever try to fit a jersey over a jacket before and then go to a game? Um, <laughs> I have not. Just like, yeah, look, I, hey, man, bear weather. I, I love it. Um, I'm with you, man. And, and sometimes when we look at the schedule in December, there's always one team that comes. I'm trying to think of who it is this year. Like last year, I think it was the Cardinals that came in December and uh, – we were terrible. We still lost, but like one game a year, like, Oh, we have a shot at beating this bat. We have a shot at beating this really good team because we're playing it in Chicago. Um, right. I'm with you on that. But my only problem is I guess, yeah, I guess I just don't want to see a super bowl in cold weather. I'll leave it at that. No cold weather, super bowls. I'm, I'm, I'm I don't want to ever see that one again. No offense to the Meadowlands, but <laughs> well, as a, as a former college long snapper, I, hate this take. This is the worst take that I've heard on the show. Uh, it, it makes me actually a little bit upset uh, for a couple of reasons. So one, that Bills Patriots game, the one that you loosely referenced where Mac Jones had three passes, like that was funny and it was funny to talk about, but like, I don't want to watch that. Like that Dude, was there are like 216 slow. NFL games or whatever. I, and again, can we have one time. where Mac, where Mac Jones throws the ball three times? <laughs> I want to see that. That's hilarious. I know. I know it's. I know it's hilarious, and it was just it turned our heads upside down in terms of like our perception of who was good, and it just reminded <laughs> us of how maniacal Bill Belichick is, and he was just you know in his in his hood, just rubbing his hands, knowing <laughs> that he he won that matchup. But me being the former long snapper, having played a game in a nor'easter, I, I, I somehow managed to have one of my best games playing in torrential downpour when it was 20 degrees, but I, I do not want to be that guy on the field. That sucks being in that position. Mm -hmm. I understand not in every market you can control that. And I understand that most stadiums should be in open stadiums, but I think certain markets, it doesn't hurt to have the capability to play in a dome because it can seriously destroy the outcome of games. I have rewatched Steve Wartell messing up that snap against the 49ers or not that snap. He had a, he had a mediocre snap of messing up his block in the snow and then also having a bad snap on a PAT. I have rewatched those plays. I have screamed at it with my friends and pointed <laughs> at like it was his fault. It was his fault as a former long snapper. I cannot stand seeing the long snappers uh, get dragged down by the weather. We need more domes. Man, I, you know, I, I hear you. Uh, that just you guys get paid to to do it right like long snappers <laughs> get paid too and and they need to do their job come you know rain or snow or sunshine and honestly you that, like joe you just said get your ass out there get out yeah. there <laughs> I, just got completely, I mean i can't argue with that that's a good point you sound like one of my coaches but at the same time i still hate it i, I mean i trust me I, like i'm i get it i'm but i'm an i'm a spectator 
So, you know, what's going to be the most entertaining (laughs) product? Plus, like, that's one thing about the college football experience, which apparently the NCAA or all of the schools are trying to just kill outright. But, like, just it being outside, it being, you know, a 7.30 kickoff, which in the NFL, you know, an 8.15 kickoff or whatever on a fall night, like, you just can't beat that. Everybody's excited. You can feel the electricity in the air. Like, it's just, I love an outdoor stadium experience. So... There you go. But I'm, I'm glad it was a hot take because I actually kind of thought people would agree with me on that one. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Bears are moving to Arlington Heights in 2027. They will have a dome. Prepare yourself. See, it's not going to be the uh, same. The next Lively. I, I, Packers need I agree. Too. I was going to say the next four or five years, Lambeau will be the last probably outdoor stadium uh, in the NFC North. And and look, that's it, it is kind of depressing. But one, like they literally had to cancel games in Minnesota because it got so cold. And then Detroit, I mean, they don't have a lot going on, guys. They just got Thanksgiving. <laughs> Can we just like give them Thanksgiving? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I gotta the Motor City Kitties. They need just like a little bit. They just need a little tiny bit. But give um, them for a, for a little handout. Yeah. Um. Let's let's finish up with with your fifth and final one, Joey. I don't know how big of a a, a hot take this is for just this season, but I I think of things from a broad perspective. I think about windows a lot, and I just want to talk to the Buffalo Bills for a second. Buffalo, Bills Mafia. This is it, guys. This is your year. All right. And if it's not your year, I really don't know what to tell you. All right. I think this is like, if this was a, uh, I think this is either a trilogy. If this was a franchise right now, this is like your two or three of the Bills are going to do it this year. Dot, dot, dot. And we've seen this happen before in the past. And let's go back very recently to a guy that outdueled them last time. You know, the Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, Josh Allen duel that we saw that was so amazing and so credible. If you go back, what was it just a couple of years? It was Mahomes falling short against Tom Brady in the AFC championship game. I think the bills are on the doorstep. That's not news. That's not a hot take, but I'm just kind of looking at this team right now. You go out, you bring in a guy like Vaughn Miller, that defense, which has been, I don't want to say peaking, but we're getting to that crest just a little bit with a couple of those guys of them entering their primes right now. You know, they did the they did the James Cook, Delvin Cook's brother in the backfield. So one of those guys is going to have to step up. And then you got dudes like Stefan Diggs, who's going to want new paper soon. Do you think he's finishing his career in Buffalo? I certainly don't. Gabriel Davis, a guy that might be pricing himself out of a place like Buffalo if he has another amazing season. You got Dawson Knox. You got O.J. Howard. Josh Allen's in his prime. I'm not saying if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, Josh Allen is going to become a terrible quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. But as we know, sometimes if something doesn't work out, you do have to roll it over a little bit and move on to something different. I personally, I kind of see this happening a little bit for the Chiefs too. Like when Kelsey's out of his prime, they are going to have to rethink the way that they play offensive football, Patrick Mahomes. And it might take a couple of years to get himself back to the mountaintop while they figure all that stuff out. The Patriots famously did this, you know, in the mid 2000s. I think this is kind of coming for the Bills right now. So this is their year. I'm kind of predicting them right now in July to win the Super Bowl. Because honestly, if they don't win it this year, I don't know. I think it'll kind of slip through their fingers a little bit. And, you know, I think their window might be closing just for right now quicker than people think, even though I think Josh Allen's going to be amazing for 10 years and he's going to have more opportunities to win Super Bowls. The, the direction of that take, I, I, a lot going on there. And I, t- I totally understand the sentiment of it. I'm not sure if things completely collapse. If they don't win it this year, I think that they would lose heavily lose a lot of momentum after building up all those expectations. That to me makes a lot of sense. The one thing I just want to toss in there, 
I, I honestly think that we have to consider the implications of losing Brian Dable. I am mm-hmm. always very wary to buy yeah. into a team that loses an offensive coordinator for a young quarterback. I, I'm not saying that Josh Allen's going to fall off a cliff, but do not be surprised if he maybe doesn't play as explosively in the first few weeks of the season because he's still getting adjusted to a new offensive scheme. He, he is a little bit of a slow learner. I'm not calling him stupid, but like it takes him a little time to, to get used to things as we've seen. Uh, so I just think that we need to be a little wary and that maybe, maybe that's what hurts them this year. Maybe that's what derails them is having a new offensive play caller with no Brian Dable. Yeah, I think the Brian Dable part is a really, really important part. Um, so Joe, I'm, I'm glad you called that up because especially considering Joe da- or Brian Dable really had kind of a unique approach to offense, even among even at a time when passing was so prevalent, he passed more than anybody else. I mean, like he the Bills were such a pass happy and oriented offense that, you know, even kind of shifting back to more balance in any way, shape or form is inevitable. But how much do they do that? How much does that impact Josh Allen's rhythm? You know, is he the type of person who kind of like almost Cam Newton at Auburn, you want the ball in his hands all the time because he just gives you the best chance on any given play to make something incredible happen. So when they take it out of his hands a little bit more, how does that impact his rhythm in a game? How does that impact the team's flow offensively? All of that stuff. And then, you know, I I, I do think that it's really smart, the kind of mid-franchise quarterback run pivot that you noted that the, the Patriots made. I do agree that some of that is coming, but I think that you would just see the identity of the team maybe start to shift back to the defense a little bit more because that's obviously something Sean McDermott is very comfortable and and has a background in. So maybe now that Brian Dable's gone, he kind of wrestles control of the identity of the team a little bit more. And then you allow, you kind of maybe do what what the Packers have done a little bit where it's you've got this all-star quarterback who can raise the talent of everybody else. But then on the other side of the ball is where you really try to build up some of these guys and you just let Josh Allen really elevate, you know, kind of the, the counter parts around him. I don't know. Does that make sense? Would, would that work for you, Joey? Yeah, no, completely. Like, no, I completely agree with you. It's just a little bit. There's a little bit of a whiff of if not now, when no, yeah. this team mm. has been ascending and they are now considered one of the, among the NFL elite. I think we all agree on this panel that Josh Allen is among the NFL elite among quarterbacks. I just am asking myself the question of, is he always going to have a Stefan Dix around Stefan Diggs around? No, is, is the team the way that it's constructed right now always going to be as deep in certain areas as it's always going to be? And look, I'm not saying that if they don't win this year, they'll never win. That's not what I'm supposing. What I'm saying, though, is that sometimes if you don't win it this year, like you're saying, you got to kind of roll it over a little bit and change things up and maybe come back in a couple of years. And I think right now, I think it's the moment. I think it's the moment for the Buffalo Bills. I know there's a lot of great teams out there that can easily get in their way. But man, you're just kind of starting to look at it a little bit and you're being like, you know, this is kind of the time for them to sort of take it and win that Super Bowl. You know, in a weird way, it was kind of like that for the Rams last year. And you know what? They did it somehow, right? Like if the Rams didn't win the Super Bowl last year, maybe they take another another run at it this year. Sure. But again, more questions about Matt Stafford. You know, do you bring guys back? Do they give Aaron Donald new paper, the type of new paper that they got if they didn't win the Super Bowl last year? It's it's there's just a weird timing thing sometimes in sports. I'm kind of looking at that with the Buffalo Bills right now, and I'm just asking myself, this is kind of the year, guys. This is the year to do it. This is the the call it a coronation, ascension, whatever you want. But if they don't do it this year, I'm I'm curious as it, if it's ever going to happen for them 
or if they have to retool moving forward. So my last hot take, my last hot take is one that's, I decided to go with something that's just something that nobody was going to be considering or thinking about. I wanted to have a little fun with this and nothing crazy. It's just, I don't think anyone really considers this at this point in time in the season. But I believe that Tennessee Titans rookie quarterback Malik Willis is going to start six plus games this season in 2022. Again, not really that hot of a take, but it's just something that you think about it like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't have thought of it, but it makes a lot of sense. Ryan Tannehill, who I said at the very beginning of the show, talk about a you know a nice wrap up to, to bring it back up at the, at the end. Ryan Tannehill has seriously regressed. He looks bad right now. And that sign of regression, we are going to get even worse football from Tannehill. The benefit for him in that offense is his ability to move. And since they lost Arthur Smith, he has just not looked good. Malik Willis is going to provide a little juice. And I think that this Titans team is going to be sloppy. I, I know that they just found their way into the playoffs last year. And, and that when Derrick Henry is healthy, he is really dominant. But if Henry continues to show some signs of mortality, of possibly not being invincible and, and not having any injuries, which we saw that first glimpse of it last year, I don't know if the Titans can be as good as they've been in the past. They are an aging roster from front to back, and they're going to want to inject a little bit of young life into that team. Use that opportunity to find out what you have in Malik Willis because you're probably sick of what Ryan Tannehill is doing, throwing for 150 yards and two interceptions because he's not the same guy anymore. They're thin at receiver. I think Malik Willis is going to provide them with a little bit of juice. I really, really hated this take right when you when you first announced it. But but then you convinced me you won me over because I can't really argue with it. Um, you know, and initially, I consider Malik Willis the furthest away among the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks, at least the ones that we you know talk about as legitimately having a, a future in the NFL. But for that reason, you know, and, and also considering the fact that the, play, the Titans have been a playoff team the last, you know, for most of the last five seasons and, and that they are a veteran, you know, you say aging old, that to me, that means veteran. They, they've been around. They have some aspirations. Ryan Tannehill has led them to the postseason many times. And, and that, you know, means something to a lot of NFL teams. Like once you've seen somebody do it, you usually tend to kind of trust them. I, I could see this playing out one of two ways. Either what you said is absolutely correct, or it's a Patrick Mahomes situation in which Ryan Tannehill, it's kind of the last run for him, like it was with Alex Smith. They are kind of in contention all throughout the year. Maybe they wrap up a, a AFC um, you know, spot and, and then can decide to rest Ryan Tannehill. And, and that's when Malik Willis maybe gets a run in week 16 or something. But you got me convinced, man. Now I, I, can, see, I can see Malik Willis just getting seven, eight games if, if they start out two and five and things just don't look good, and maybe Derrick Henry's dinged up a little bit, you know, there, there's a real case to be made for that. So I, I think you laid it out pretty well. Yeah, I always try to remind myself with the Titans is they're probably like the unsexiest, least fun team to talk about in the NFL. <laughs> and we have to, we end up talking about them because they're successful, right? So I think credit where credit's due there. Uh, I'm not trying to knock them on that, but I, I'm also on the board of, I think that the AFC South is a bit up for grabs this year. 
I still think that, you know, I think Jonathan Taylor is in line for a huge season, which I think is going to help Matt Ryan out this year. So I do like the Colts in that division. And Joe, you brought up some really compelling points about the Jaguars taking that step up. It's just really interesting. And this might also help your case that, man, all their eggs have been in that Derrick Henry basket for a long mm-hmm. time. And then they trade A.J. Brown this year and they're expecting Traylon Burks to step in with that usage and provide that same element. I, you know, I love rookie wide receivers like anyone else, but let's be honest, it usually takes them two, three weeks, maybe at least to kind of really get their feet wet and start kind of being able to produce. And that also sets up a scenario that will you brought up with is, yeah, what if they're sitting there, dude, at two and five and it's just around Halloween and it's starting to slip away and they ask themselves, hey, look, like two and five, the leader in the division right now is four and three. What do we do? No, but for real though, you know what I mean? The Colts are four and three. They're two and five. They're like, Hey, we can hop back into this thing, but we got to put a jolt into it. And then it turns into the Malik Willis show, which honestly, if Derrick Henry is on this team again, to throw him a bone real quick can actually work. Right. Because you're just leaning on this running back and Malik Willis is just trying to play a little, do a little play action, roll out, create with his legs, try and find Traylon Burks and some unscripted stuff. And then they win that dirty game 16 to 10 or whatever that no one wants to watch on red zone. And you know what I mean? And, and, and they move on to the next week. I can, I can definitely buy this scenario. And I think it's a good landing spot for Malik Willis too, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just in general, moving forward, because they are, I'm, in a, I'm with you. They're going to try and move on from Tannehill as quick as they can. The other scenario I see too, and I, I think stylistically, there are some comparisons to, to what Lamar Jackson was coming out of Louisville. And, and Lamar was a far better athlete and was just a, a freak of a player, was further along in his development. But I could also see what happened with the Ravens in Lamar's rookie season where Joe Flacco was just not getting it done, but the team was still good and they were mm-hmm. competitive and they just needed a little juice. They mm-hmm. needed some athleticism. They needed to get a guy that they could run uh, some read option or some quarterback power. And you are going to be able to do that with Malik Willis. And I, I think that they'll slowly start to work him in to the scheme and then realize, oh, wow, he's, he's getting a lot of big chunk plays when we put him in to run the ball. Why don't we just keep him out there for most of the most of the game instead of trying to uh, get cute with it? I can see that happening as well. You know, you start with a package for him and then it slowly expands. And certainly if, if Ryan Tannehill's struggling at that point in the year, then, yeah, you make a, a strong case for all right, do we, do we throw this guy out there and, and see what he's got, you know, in a starting capacity? And yeah, I mean, to your question, Joey, like when you're two and fives, you stick with your trusted guy who has led you out because they've been like two and five before, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then they've True. kind of stuck with Ryan Tannehill and they've turned around midseason and kind of gone on those late year runs that then get them in the postseason. So you stick with the guy who's done it or do you go to the new thing? Yeah, that'll be a big question. Um, all right. Let's go to my last one, shall we? And then we will get out of here because this has been a long one. Uh, (laughs) But my final uh, hot take and prediction, sticking in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts will win the Super Bowl this year. Oh, so, holy crap. It's, I, there's a little bit of a homer pick here. With the, I know. A little bit of Ryan. He's got, there's, a, there's a whiff of Stafford. This this stew has a dash of Stafford on top of it, too. Like uh, borderline Hall of Famer going to a new franchise. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Uh, well, I mean, you, you started out the case right there, right? Like Matt Ryan is, I think, so underrated in just what he brings to a, a, an NFL locker room and, and a roster. Just there is a base level of competency that Matt Ryan has had throughout every step of his career that when you add to a roster like the Colts have built, I mean, I, I think that this, 
they should be getting talked about like, you know, maybe not like a Buffalo or a Kansas City, but certainly like a, you know, a Los Angeles Chargers or a Denver Broncos, that type of just under the second tier. But the main reason why I I think that they could win the Super Bowl is because of Jonathan Taylor and because they have the ability to win multiple ways. Matt Ryan, throw the ball 40 times and win you a game in a shootout. He's done that. He's done that in the playoffs. His playoff resume, despite the win and loss record, but that's not fully a quarterback stat, is up there with anybody uh, over the last two decades. You know, since Matt Ryan's been in the league, his playoff resume, he has performed so, so well in the postseason. And people, you know, now have forgotten that because it's been a while since he's been in the postseason. But he can win you a game that you need to if you have to go up against a Kansas City or a Buffalo. A guy like Jonathan Taylor could win you a game if you are playing in Buffalo or if you were playing in New England or Baltimore or whatever. They just can win a couple of different ways offensively. And I just think their defense is also going to take a step forward. Darius Leonard, I think, is you know, if not considered the best among the top three linebackers, I think in the NFL right now, I really think Kenny Moore is, is a good underrated cornerback. Their defense should just be, I think a little bit better than it's been um, in recent years. If people can stay healthy, I don't think they have a very hard path to the playoff coming out of the AFC South. They're going to get two games against the Texans. They're going to get two games against Jacksonville and the Titans. I think they're the best team in that division. So, you know, I, I definitely see a world where Indianapolis you know, maybe gets like the three seed in the AFC, but then they're just the right team makeup wise, kind of like the Rams last year, where they can just win a few different types of games on their way to the postseason. And, you know, if the X factor is quarterback, I think that Matt Ryan is the best quarterback that they have had since Andrew Luck. And since they have started doing this kind of QB for hire, you know, he, he reminds me a little bit of like that final piece of an NBA roster that then takes them over the top. And you're like, well, now they've got their big three, you know, like they've added that final piece and now they've got Anthony Davis on the Lakers. So they, they should kind of make a run here. So that's kind of the way I feel it has a lot to do with Matt Ryan, but it also has some to do with Jonathan Taylor and the rest of the pieces on that roster. I think this take is definitely justified. And I think that there are a lot of supporting arguments that you just highlighted there, will that makes it easy to buy into But my reluctance and the one thing that I just can't get over to fully support this take is their secondary. They, in order for them to succeed in the playoffs, they're going to they're going to finish with a really good record. They're going to be a playoff team that they are going to probably be one of the top three seeds in the AFC at the bare minimum. But in order for them to reach the Super Bowl, they have to go through a lot of teams with really good quarterbacks and really good passing offenses. We've already talked a ton about the Broncos. We've talked about the Chargers. We've talked about the, the Chiefs, which are all in one division. We've talked about the Bills, all these good AFC teams. Once they get to the playoffs, I'm just very afraid of that, how good that secondary is going to be. And I, I really do believe that Stefan Gilmore is over the hump. I don't think we can, or over the hill rather. I, I really don't think that we can be as high on him as he was early in his career. I, I, the secondary for me is, is what just makes it hard to, to fully, fully buy in. Yeah, that was my only one I was thinking about, too, as well, because when we go back and I, look, I, I, I don't like Carson Wentz as a quarterback. But what was that other problem in that Jacksonville Jaguars game? They couldn't get off the field. You know what right. I mean? Like when it when it when it when it mattered the most. Um, I, I, I think it's a great call on your part, Will, in terms of I just think that the Colts are going to they have that potential to be a little bit of that darling this year for sure, because I'm in agreement with you completely that Matt Ryan 
is way better than Carson Wentz. And Matt Ryan, we can debate the totality of their careers, but Matt Ryan at the point when Phillip Rivers was on the Colts, I think you're getting a better version of him right now. Um, There's a couple of things that I'm kind of curious about a little bit. Like Matt Ryan, the last couple of years, his decisions in the red zone haven't really wowed me. Uh, nope, at times, nope, that's a great call he, by he, you. He, he can <laughs> he can still he can still lay a stinker uh, every once in a while. This does kind of have me thinking, though. Uh, last I checked, Julio Jones doesn't have a team, does he? Nope. Oh I, no, I, no, no. Here, here's what I'm saying. Here, all I'm saying is this: is that of course they have Michael Pittman, they got Paris Campbell, they got guys that they already like. And my whole thing, and this was kind of uh, not to be selfish, but my pitch for to him on the Bears was. Julio Jones is not going to give you 17 games anymore. It's about when he gives you the six or seven games he's going to give you. That's really what it right. comes down to. If he gives you three of them in September and he gets hurt the rest of the year, we all know the Julio Jones story. But if somehow, <laughs> some way, he gives two or three of those games to you in a December or one of those games in a January game, yep. then I think it actually can mean something. And I just, it's an obvious connection. And again, when I think about red zone, I think about big bodied receivers and helping Matt Ryan out there. But again, you know, Joe's point about that secondary, I mean, that's that's very much a real thing. And that's and that, again, that's a real thing with the Chiefs, too, as well, who are losing a guy like Tyron Matthew when the chips come down and we're going possession by possession for points. It does sort of eventually come down to either. I feel like in the playoffs, it comes down to who gets off the field. And then if you can mm-hmm. get to the Super Bowl, who can get to the quarterback? And those two elements, maybe I would have question marks about the Colts, but I think it's a, I think it's a great pick. I mean, I think they should be the odds on favorite to win that division. Um, and there's a possibility that they could have maybe a bye week or maybe they could have that home game. You know what I mean? Um, and that could definitely work out in their favor. So I, I don't mind it at all. Personally. They also had a terrible draft too, just to throw that in there. They did not improve at all from their draft, which is shocking because, you know, Chris Ballard usually, knocks the draft out of the park. Um, but speaking of a draft pick, it, it, is there some sneaky potential here for Alec Pierce as offensive rookie of the year? Oh, no, no, we're not getting that. <laughs> we're getting brought here. We're getting right, no. we, did, we did Hunter. We did Hunter Renfro and Cooper that Cup together like 30 oh minutes God. ago. No. Alec Pierce goes into that category. That was Alec the Pierce was one of the, Oh my gosh. was one of the most overrated players in this draft. I, I, it's funny watching the white guy be really fast and athletic, but like the guy is not that good. All right. I was going to say, and Joe, real quick, uh, isn't it always funny too when he's like, he makes tough catches, you know, in traffic? It's because he's not open. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like <laughs> right. a little bit of that going on when I watch Alec Pierce. It's just like, ooh, he makes a lot of good contested catches because he's never open from the time of the right. snap. Then maybe that's a little for, issue for a then. guy that's fast. He does not separate, which is weird. And that's usually a problem. <laughs> All right. Well, when he uh, wins offensive rookie of the year, I will see you guys both back on this podcast for a, uh, a healthy. I told <laughs> you so. <laughs> All right, back guys. Um, I think those, those are our five hot takes each. Uh, great stuff from, from both of y'all. Any final thoughts on the NFL season on anything said here before I, I let you guys get out of here? No, no, man, I'm, I'm just, excited I'm, to watch them. Oh, go ahead, Joey. Uh, sorry, okay, that was yeah, on the, me. Two Joes. That's all. Though, two, two Joes at the same time. Hey, man, no, look, <laughs> honestly, um, I had a great time doing this, and people that are listening to this right now need to know that I think Believe is going to be all over just whatever your favorite team is out there in the world, but we're going to be doing a lot of fun more of this roundtable stuff. And I think it's just getting started. I mean, this kind of scratched 
the itch for me a little bit. It got me really kind of thinking. I am probably maybe like another week or so out from really diving in deep on like my fantasy football type stuff. But this is like a great primer uh, to get going. And personally, this is kind of one of those seasons where I don't have great expectations for the Chicago Bears other than hoping that my quarterback uh, does well. And to paraphrase Joe, stays alive uh, this year. So it is a good year to kind of like look out on the landscape of the rest of the NFL and 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 join in. And it's great, man. I It's funny, like, you know, when you think about these other sports, you know, NBA usually always trends this way. And NFL, sometimes they're like, oh, there's an odds on favor for the Super Bowl. I, there's compelling cases for, I think, at least five or six teams to win this Super Bowl this year. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be really fun to watch moving forward. And that's what's got me excited. It's, it's super funny that, you know, Joey's not even the full-time employee here. And he gave the big hard sell for Believe. <laughs> and I really appreciate that. Company but man. This, Always. Exactly. Joey's been one of the was one of the first early hosts, and uh, along with me, so I, I always loved the the excitement. Uh, I, I can speak on the fact that we're going to definitely, as a network, try to do more stuff like this. What exactly that's going to be, we're still in determination of it. But uh, big part of the reason why we do the network is, and we have this network, is to be able to work together and collaborate and talk about things during the season. But I, I'm just freaking excited. I just want to watch some football. I'm so sick of having to have watched USFL games and pretend I was interested or <laughs> right now I've been diving into to uh, college football tape doing my draft show and like that stuff's getting me juiced up. I just need Saturdays and Sundays to come because uh, baseball is way too damn slow for me. That's all I that's my last take here on the show. Hold on. The Brewers and the Cardinals are in the fight of their lives right now for the division. <laughs> and my mic's getting cut off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no baseball. <laughs> I, I, I agree with both of y'all. I football cannot get here fast enough after the draft, after all the you know free agency noise dies down. It's just, there's a void. There's a void in all of our lives, but, but this was awesome to really kind of not just think about the NFL season, but I think about, or think about the NFL landscape, which is a little bit of, of where our minds wander away from once the season ends and you just focus on your own teams. But then I think most of our conversation here today was about the AFC West and the AFC South. So we kind of got pretty far away from home um, in terms of talking about the teams that we uh, root for and cover. So I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, to come on here and, and heat up the podcast a little bit. Once again, we've got uh, Joe DeLeon, who you can follow on Twitter at the uh, the same name, same Twitter handle, Joe That's DeLeon. Smart. And Very we've smart. got Joey Christopoulos uh, at Joey Sports Guy on Twitter. So thank you guys so much for joining me. And uh, I really appreciate it. You're the best, Will. Thank you, man. Thanks, Will. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed all of that. A lot of out of left field takes, uh, opinions, thoughts. I really think the the Colts can win the Super Bowl this year. You know, I, I yes, obviously I'm biased with the Matt Ryan take, but I I just feel like that roster has been good for a long time and. Sometimes I root for the the good guys, you know, right? The the ones that have been hanging around, who have been building things the right way. I know the Rams won the Super Bowl this past year, pretty much going out and getting all of the best players that you've heard of the past, you know, five years and and just having the money apparently to do so. But the Colts have been hanging around. They they've been doing a lot of good stuff. They remind me a little bit of the early Falcons teams under Matt Ryan, the the kind of 2008 to 2012 range Falcons, you know, and they've been knocking on the door for a long time. We obviously saw Matt Ryan get right up to that pinnacle in 2012. And I really wish he had gotten to the Super Bowl that year because I think they would have beaten the Ravens. Um, so 
if he can get there, obviously, I, I think a lot of people here in Atlanta would be really happy and excited for him to do that. So, you know, whether or not that was the hottest take out there, that's up to you guys to decide. But I really appreciate everybody listening. Hopefully, we're going to be able to do some more stuff with uh, some of the Believe hosts around the network. They're obviously all really good at what they do. Um, I'm trying to get better and be more like them. So any feedback that you guys have, please uh, shoot it over to uh, believeinfalcons at gmail.com. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V, infalcons at gmail.com. Today's podcast is presented by Bet Online. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. Let everybody know where they can find us, especially now that training camp is right around the corner and we've got hopefully a fun season to look forward to. You know, I, I, I know Joey got in there with the with the little barb about the Falcons maybe having the number one pick. I feel otherwise. And I think that a lot of you guys agree with me. I think this team is going to surprise a lot of people, not saying a playoff team, but I don't think anything like last year is completely out of the question. And if if Arthur Smith is honestly able to put together two seasons where it's this team should have been kind of like a top three in terms of the NFL draft, you know, picking in the top three and they finish with like six, seven wins. I'm going to feel pretty good about what he can do with with a better roster. And I think that they will have that in 2023, hopefully, and then moving forward. So, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I'm obviously not expecting too much and I'm not going to advise anybody else to expect too much, but I'm cautiously optimistic. So Carry that attitude for the rest of the summer, everybody. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see you again next week. We'll see you especially when training camp rolls around and get ready for some awesome football, some awesome football analysis. And as always, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.